All right, well, welcome to a very special edition here of Reinvention Radio um, on a Saturday. <laughs> I don't usually do things on the weekend, but uh, for this guy, I'll uh, I'll do things in the middle of the night. I'll do things on a Sunday. I, hell, I'll even do an interview with you on uh, Christmas if we have to, Todd, man. So uh, really do appreciate you, you being on there. And uh, and I see you still tinkering around with the, uh, with the setup, man. So I know this is a little bit unusual for you to be on this platform. And uh, appreciate you working <laughs> with us here. Oh, no, I'm I'm happy to be here. And uh, what it is, I bought a new webcam, and, and it, it doesn't swivel like my old one. So, but it's all good. We're good. Hey, I'm glad to be here, Steve. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no, absolutely. And of course, like a knucklehead, I uh, you know I don't even turn off my own phone <laughs> when I'm doing an interview. <laughs> so, oh, that's funny. All right, so phone off. <laughs> a little housekeeping there, man. All right, so Todd, for those who don't know you. Uh, just give us sort of the uh, the thirty second of who Todd uh, you know Cochran is for those uh, that are just uh, meeting you for the first time. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Todd Cochran. I'm uh, I wear a multitude of hats, I guess. Uh, first and foremost, I'm a content creator. I've been a podcaster now for eleven plus years. I think I just finished episode one thousand eighty over at Geek News Central, geeknewscentral.com, and then. Uh, I do a uh, weekend show with uh, Rob Greenlee. Rob works over at uh, Spreaker, and uh, we do that every Saturday that we can, uh, talking with luminaries in space. past couple of weeks, it's just been him and I, and we've been using Blab and some of the other uh, cool tools that are out there right now. But uh, you can find that show at newmediashow.com. But I guess most importantly is I – um, the CEO of Raw Voice slash Blueberry. Most folks know us through the PowerPress podcasting plugin and the podcast hosting and stats that we provide over there. So like, that's kind of the the four one one. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, man. And uh, and I ran the numbers on it, and it was insane. I, I think it was like I'm just doing this off the top of my head, but I put it in the email. But I think it was like um, 657 straight weeks or something like that. I mean, it was an insane number of uh of the number of weeks that you've been doing your podcast pretty consistently so talk to me about first and foremost what i, I mean 2004 man people were like god i mean were, how many podcasts were like even being done in 2004 and what and what platform were you releasing it on was it was it even itunes at that point well it, it's kind of interesting um in, in a little backstory, I was still active duty military at the time, mm. and uh, I had you gotten for your service. By the way, yeah, thank you. So I'd gotten hurt in uh, early uh, um, June of 2004. I got hurt and was overseas in the hospital for a while. But when I came back, I was flying a desk instead of uh, flying in an airplane. I was a back end operator in uh, Navy T3s, and. So, you know, when you're sick uh, and hurt, the Navy doesn't like uh, keeping you employed. So I was looking for jobs, and I went to Waco, Texas to babysit, basically doing contract support, making sure that the taxpayer dollars were being spent uh, wisely and uh, spending a lot of time in my hotel room with this 100-degree weather because I was wearing a clamshell at the time because of my back. And uh, I heard about this thing called podcasts, and I like to talk. So I actually launched my podcast from my hotel room and as near as I can figure it, I was like October 4th, 5th, something where around that time frame is when I started. Um, I think there was about 60 to 80 podcasters. I kind of always say, well, I like the 75th podcaster. Really, I don't know where I really was, but that's, I kind of say that. But, you know, the space at the time was just like kicking off and I was a blogger already, and I wasn't a great blogger. So when I started my podcast, I said, well, see what happens. And this thing just went skyrocket. It went on a, like a, a missile launch straight up. And within about three weeks, I was trying to figure out how we were going to host the media. Because it through my bandwidth on my shared hosting plan because they're really before Libsyn. That was before anything. Yeah. And I was at the time on a movable type platform. And... So basically, I bought like every week I'd buy a new shared hosting account and I put the media over there, just put the media, no website, and we would burn the bandwidth out of that hosting account. And on the next show, we would move to the next hosting account. Sometimes we were moving it mid-show. It was crazy in order to try to to basically keep up the growth. So I essentially went from zero to 45,000 listeners in 90 days. 
And uh, that was just an incredible ride. But it was exciting because we were sticking it to the man. We were having a good time. We were breaking all the rules and doing everything we could to to shake things up. And that's really kind of how it got going. There was just this ground movement of excitement. It's kind of, I almost want to say that 2014, 2015 feels a lot like 2004. Yeah. Yeah. And so let me just clarify, you go from zero to 45,000. What was the distribution platform? <laughs> uh, RSS and some podcatchers. There was no iTunes at that point. It was, uh, y- you um, had a couple of apps. There was, uh, you know, and, and the iPodder was one. Uh, there was two or three apps that came out, not apps. Because there wasn't apps yet, there wasn't smartphones yet. There was iPod. There was an iPod. The apps were actually on your desktop. So the way the sequence worked in the early days is you actually ran the software on your desktop. You have the new podcast every night, and so long as you plugged your iPod into the computer and synced, you got the shows to go. Um, and, and if you think about this, July of 2005 is when iTunes jumped in the scene, but there still wasn't an iPhone yet. So iTunes just made it easier to sync to the to the iPod at the time. And uh, so really the distribution was your website. And that's why today I'm such a big proponent on building your brand and building your site because I understand the value in that. And number two, it was just uh, the applications, word of mouth. It was pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah, and so at the beginning of it all, when you started like looking at this space, how did you find out about it? I mean, it's sort of like that origination story, yeah. right? I mean, I know like, you know, there are some early adopters and there's a lot of early adopters that are in my community and a lot of early adopters that I hang with, but it's always really interesting to me to really kind of just get like, like Blab, right? I mean, like Blab's a perfect example because like, mm, I don't know, man, just, I feel like it just kind of came out of nowhere. Right. And yep. then like, all oh, before I knew it, like Joel Com and, um, my, my really good friend who also joins me on reinvention radio radio. And we do it live, Rich Ote, uh, who does a lot of stuff in the live stream space. I mean, you know, they were all like, Hey, you gotta check this out, blah, blah, blah. And Christina Davies and some others as well. I was like, damn, you know, like everybody's talking about this thing. Where did it come from? How did that, right. what was the origination story for you? As far as podcast, were you listening to it somehow? You listened to a podcast, or what happened? Well, it was you know, and it's it goes back to the podfathers of podcasting. I was is that Ravenscraft? Is that like those guys? They weren't even that. They came later. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they're they're. uh, So here's here's how it happened. Again, I'm in the hotel in Waco, Texas. I can't really. I'm really sweating to death when I do. so I'm on the computer a lot with the AC crank. So I, I'd been a blogger first. So I'd been following Dave Weiner over at scripting.com prior to that and um, was familiar with his frontier blogging platform that he created. And then I talked seeing these blog posts and stuff with him and Adam Curry talking. So, man, what is this? So the first podcast, I was a source code with uh, Dave Weiner and Adam Curry or the frequency that wherever it was and man they're talking about it and explaining what you need to do and how the space is growing and i'm like i need in i literally listened to one episode of the daily source code i got out of my room I, uh, there was a walmart across the street and i went and picked up one of those old school lab tech heads plug into an audio jack in the computer and i recorded my first like four episodes that and the the whole story has been just you know from there on in but you know we had challenges there was no power press there was no plugins there you know wordpress was just getting started i was on movable type and by the grace of someone being excited they had kind of created a and they really didn't call them plugins they called them uh, add-ons or something like that but someone had created something in movable type so we could get the rss 2.0 spec in the feed, you know, a lot of people were hand jamming their feeds at the, in the beginning. They were hand writing the feeds because there was really no other tools. So um, I was lucky enough that, you know, I understood the value of automation in the very beginning and used movable type. Obviously, it transferred to WordPress later. But really, that, that Genesis moment was sitting in that hotel room and hearing these two guys talk about podcasting. I said, oh my God, I have got yeah. to be on this. Now, 
if you back up, I'd been involved online for years. I had a dial-up bulletin board back in the 80s and 90s. I had had uh, you know a blog already, so I kind of was already in tune with communicating online. It just it made a lot of sense. Don't get me wrong. People have been creating audio for a long time, but the simple fact that I could take it with me, that was just like yeah, it was a game changer. Oh, game changer. Yeah, and just for those uh, who may not be familiar, and probably now that I mention it, they may be familiar, especially if they're of my generation. So we're talking to Adam Curry of like the Headbangers Ball, like MTV. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and he and he, him and Dave Weiner are really the true founders of podcasting. Dave wrote the RSS 2.0 spec. Um, hmm. Actually, wrote the original RSS spec, then added, uh, did the revision, and did uh, RSS 2, which really the the enclosure tag in the RSS spec is what's really uh, set this thing on fire. Um, and you know, then the whole origination of the word podcasting and the, it's, it, you know, the name podcast was named early. I mean, before even I got in the space. So I knew I was a podcaster when I started in October of 04. Yeah. Very cool. And, and so you and I share, I don't know if you know this or not, but, um, my history online goes back pretty far as well. I've actually been online since 93, uh, when we launched on CompuServe's Electronic Mall, if, uh, <laughs> wow. if you remember those days. And yeah. uh, that that company ended up becoming um, liquor.com, like what you drink, which actually right. I still own to this day. So that, That's uh, funny. You know, yeah, just kind of going back a number of years, man. But, um, you know, it's interesting when you look at podcasting now, one of the things that I think must irk you as someone who is so early on in the space is some of these kid new kids on the block. I mean, it, on one hand, it's great because they're getting, you know, all of this exposure and they're bringing more people into the podcast world. But, you know, it's sort of like when the teacher, you know, has the student and the student surpasses the teacher. You know, on one <laughs> hand, you're like, oh, man, that's fucking great. But on the other hand, you're like, son of a, you know, you just want to, like, strangle them. So well, let's, let's be honest. Um, what we've seen over the years, I, I embrace individual success. Um, sometimes I get irritated in the methodology that they use to achieve that or what they do with that success. Uh, that yeah. being said, I, you know, I, I think we should have, I, I want to see lots of very successful shows, but I also know as a, you know, someone that's working in the podcasting space on a day-to-day -day basis and watching what's going on, you know, I have to be aware of the trends, what people are doing, the methods they're using. You know, you you can't be that old dog. You have to be, you know, you have to be flexible, agile, and and seeing what's happening and, and keep up. And uh, that's really, really important. And again, we've seen flows and waves of, you know, we've seen the biggest wave right now, and I think it's kind of on the downside right now is that the marketeers were heavy into the space. The internet marketers came into the podcasting space promoting their business. I think what they've, a lot of those folks have found and that is going to, why I'm saying we're on the, on the downside of this, of that huge group, they're finding out number one, it's hard to create great content. Number two, it's a lot of work. Uh, engagement is in a personal basis is a lot different than doing it online. And there's also what I like to call the smell factor. Um, when you hear and listen to someone that speaks episode after episode, you very, very quickly will be able to understand, can I trust this person or mm. can't I? And those that you can will be super successful. And those that maybe aren't, uh, the audiences won't be there. So, um, again, yeah. I, I think as the space grows, it's, it's all good. I want to see a lot of – I've said we need about 1,000 cereals is what we really need. And we need, you know, we we need a, a, a thousand successful business shows. Uh, uh, sure. We just need a lot more. And it's going to grow the space. Yeah, look, I don't want to gloss over this, man, because you have an inside perspective that a lot of people don't have. Um, and you talked about mm, just ever so briefly there, sort of those methodologies for success. You're reading between the lines, it almost sounds like you're saying something around black hat sort of techniques. What, what, it, what it, like Twitter bombing? What, because uh, I know you guys are pretty, um, well, uh, let's just say you're pretty adamant about folks not using those sort of techniques because I've heard, you know, the interviews that you've given and you guys talk about this. Uh, you had a pretty interesting conversation not terribly long ago that I had a chance to listen to as well. But when you talk about some of those methodologies for success, man, let, just, just be real. So, what are you talking about? Well, and I'm fortunate that I have a little bit of an insight on data that other podcasters don't. We've got about 35,000 podcasters that are using our stats. 
And that's on so, Blueberry as the it's platform. On Blueberry. Yeah, and and they're using a mix of free stats and pro stats. So there's you know there's two offerings there, but anyone can use the stats for free. But we see this trending data. You know, I got this line of data. You know, and we're seeing what's happening with iTunes consumption, what's going on with Android. You, you know, we see all the and all of a sudden when you see this spike. And something just kind of sticks out. And maybe it's only a couple of shows. You're like, what's going on there? They're outside of the norm. You go look at what they're doing. And you're like, aha, uh -huh. we've got someone that's a little overambitious. Someone's really excited about the show. They want to be able to build success uh, quickly. And they're using techniques that are not driving actual listeners. There might be bots or, uh, you know, paid click-throughs, mm -hmm. different types of things. Uh, one thing we saw a while ago was people that were, um, and, 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 and I think it started innocently, but it ended up being a situation where, hey, I can get a lot of views if I put a direct link to my media file in Twitter. Well, on the, on, the thing, on the surface of that, I think we'd all say, well, that's probably a good idea, right? Um, even I thought, well, that sounds like a good idea initially. But what we found out was that because Twitter is like now one of the top sites in the world, it's indexed by everybody. Even Apple indexes Twitter. Now, I don't know what kind of a bot, what they do with, with that, but some of those bots are pretty stupid. Some of those bots will follow every link, and it almost looks like a human trying to download the media file versus um, you know, a machine. Mm -hmm. So we had to put some filters in place to allow legitimate clicks of media links in Twitter to be listened to, to be counted, and we had to filter out the bots and the, and the robots and the, you know, the scripts and all that stuff. So, you know, that's something we just deal with on a regular basis. On the most part, 99% of the podcasters do the right thing. They're promoting correctly. They're providing, you know, good context. They're not creating 50 Twitter accounts and uh, paying someone to fill those with a 10,000 fake follow. You know, that doesn't happen. Yeah. 99, I actually say 99.9% .9 of the podcasters do what they're supposed to do and they're doing things right. It's just a few bad apples. Yeah. And I hear you, man. And let's talk about that because obviously what you're referring to now is sort of that bell curve, right? I mean, and you've got folks that meet the criteria. You're obviously going to have those that are just, yeah, I mean, just not getting any traction at all. You're going to have what they call in the tech world, you know, sort of those unicorns, you know, those folks that are just blowing it up on this side. And then most everybody else is going to be in this, in this range right. here. Yeah. Now, you had thrown out some pretty interesting statistics at uh, Podcast Movement, and you've probably published these elsewhere. Um, but off the top of your head, do you remember what those numbers are in terms of what the average podcast uh, receives in terms of monthly downloads? Let's break it down a little deeper. And let's, let's talk about the failure rate of podcasts and, and what it needs to be successful. So... When podcasts start, 50% of podcasts will quit by show episode by episode seven. Seven. So, so if you start with 10, we're down to five. The remaining five, 50% of those will not make it past show 23 or 24. So now you're down to two and a half as a medium number. Let's just use the number three. You're saying 3%? So, so – so really 30%. So 30, yeah, okay. 30% will make it past episode 25. So 100 Generally, shows, 30 shows will make it past episode 25. Right. Okay. And then, so what will happen then is of those shows, most of them will make it to two years. So I tell all podcasters, you got to have a two-year plan when you're starting a show. You can't go into this thinking you're going to have six. Now, again, the unicorns, man, we love the unicorns. Those guys that like – are on a rocket trip up. Those guys are fantastic. Those help keep the space uh, vibrant and live. But for the average guy, you're gonna you're gonna have to spend some time, do some work, build your brand, build your trust. Um, it's really part of the process, and that means putting a show out every week. You know, being engaged with your audience. Those shows, um, a percentage of those, and let's use the number ten percent of those shows. Ten percent of shows are going to break out. 10% of the shows are going to make it to that. I kind of call that golden era where they're doing, uh, let's say, eight to 10,000 listeners plus per episode. Um, and really what we see, and this is part of the challenge with the space right now, is the high majority of podcasts that are being created today are anywhere from, let's be frank, 100 to 5,000. And, and, 
the you know three thousand listeners is a pretty good number for a lot of shows. And some people say, well, I only got three thousand listeners. Well, you know, the perspective I put on three thousand is if you're doing your nine to five and you go to job, you go to your job. How many people is your boss speaking to? And how many people? How many lives are you touching? How many, how many lives does your boss touch? Well, they touch your life because they say you're fired or you have to work overtime or, or we're going to lay you off. But he doesn't touch 3,000 people unless you're part of a big conglomerate like Microsoft or Google or one of those companies. And usually then there's division heads. Even the division heads won't have that many people underneath them. So I don't want folks to focus on the numbers. I want them to focus on the content because what we really need in the podcasting space right now more than anything is good storytellers. If you become a good storyteller and can relate to that. Now, if you've got a business and you're trying to build your business through your podcast, well, you better have a story to tell around that. Or if you're talking about content, you better have a story. People love, love people's stories and to be engaged. Sure, it's okay to have someone come in and do an interview and, and like what we're doing right here. But on the most part, Steve, when they come to the show, they're not coming to listen to me. They're coming to listen to you. Sure, they're going to get a few things from me, but the, your audience is coming from you because they trust you. Yeah. You know, and yeah. as long as you keep tying that in, I think you're going to be good. But, you know, I don't want to focus on the numbers for an audience. I just want people to create great content and and work hard. At it's And this is hard work to create content. Yeah. And let's talk about um, a couple of different things, man. And I appreciate the insight on that. But I think the major takeaway for, for me and probably, you know, for those listening uh, is the majority of podcasts are going to get somewhere between 100 and 3,000 downloads right. per episode. I mean, I think that's yep. kind of the, the sweet spot. And then, of course, there's some folks on either side of the spectrum, of course. But that yep. seems to be about where it is now. It's interesting because a lot of those folks, um, I guess you could say it kind of happens organically, right? Because a lot of folks don't have any sort of platform going in. You know, I mean, I am fortunate uh, in that I have a pretty decent sized mailing list. And obviously, uh, I'm not sure if you even know this or not, but I mean, I've been doing this off and on now for what you talk about consistency. That's a whole other story. But if you look back at the reinvention radio statistics, you'll actually see that we posted some stuff like back in 2009, 2010, and then kind of buried and built it back up. But the point only being that a lot of folks don't have any platform coming in. And so how do you think some of those folks without any audience whatsoever are able to go from that completely unknown to 300 to 1,000, you know, or 100 to 3,000, you know, type downloads a month? Is it just simply because of keywords? Is it because of guests? Is it because of what, what are the primary reasons that you can see that those who are just starting out and have no platform have been able to get traction? Well, you know, there's 25 different ways to skin a cat. Let's be honest. There's, there's a lot of ways to, and all I can relate is how I did it and what I think is a successful strategy. Remember as a blogger first, and that's kind of a, that's almost a four-letter word in some circles these days because people just want to be on Facebook or they want to be on Twitter. But what I learned by being a blogger first was that people were coming to my site to read what I had to say. And I wasn't a great blogger, but I was putting out content on a regular basis. And what was, in, what was happening was, was Google was driving traffic to my site because I was writing about current topics, what was going on, talking about the tech world and so forth. So easy to have fresh content on the website every day. And we had fresh content on the website every day. So when I started podcasting, um, I was already kind of set up for success because of I had already established a little Google juice. And then it really kind of what we did is we blogged, uh, we podcasted on podcasting days and we blogged on non-podcasting days. And what that did over time was continue to build this huge archive of data on the website. And today I've got 13,000 plus articles on Geek News Central, which results in just in Google traffic alone, over 200,000 people coming into my website that have hit a search term that's drove to my website on a tech item or a news item or whatever it may be. Is that, that's on a monthly basis? That's daily. That's daily. 200,000 are coming daily from Google. Daily. But just, just remember, we're writing every day. 
on content, and we're we're always running for Google. Wow. <laughs> I hate to say it that way, yeah. but what ends up happening then is when people land on my website, you've got three, four seconds, you know, before they're gone. You know, some people stay and read the most. Oh, that's not what I was looking for. I'm out of here. Um, but sometimes they'll see that subscribe to the podcast on the right, and bam, they'll hit that, and they get a percentage of those folks that have subscribed, and then not all of them stay subscribed, and then they. You know, maybe I keep 20% of those folks. Yeah. And that's how I've been able to build my show over time. It's it's the long play. It's not – I look at podcasting as a long play plan to be able to monetize, to be able to – and again, everyone wants this. I want it now. It's the instant it's gratification the, society we live in, you know. And, and yeah. actually, we can blame Adam Curry for that. It's that whole MTV thing, man. <laughs> so – I think if you really focus and it's hard work, man, putting a blog post out a day, man, like shoot me in the head. It sucks. You know, it's, it's yeah. painful. Uh, but we did. And now today I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I have enough uh, revenue coming in that I'm able to pay bloggers on a monthly basis. Uh, my blogging bill for my writer, um, but I also understand that value. They're feeding the animal. Yeah. Um, I take, and, and a, another thing I do for my show is, all right, I'm creating the content right now, but here in about a month, I'm going to load up. I'm going to go to the electronic show. I'm going to spend a lot of money, and I'm going to spend uh, four days there interviewing 250 companies. What is that going to give me access to? CEOs, PR firms, uh, product heads. It's going to give me all these great connections. So over the next year, I can take those 250 contacts and I can move them along with me. And there's nothing more valuable than, okay, so like we're doing this interview today. And whenever you get this published, what are you going to do? You're going to send me an email. Say, hey, Todd, I link to it. I'm going to have a big ego. So what am I going to do? I'm going to link back to your show. Yeah. Right? And I was like, oh, so it got some gratification. Look at me, blah, blah, blah. Right? So company CEOs and product heads are the same way. They're building their CV. So when I send the email to the CEO, say, hey, your interview's up. He calls the media people and his company says, link back to this and what that does then is that continues to, again, feeds the beast and builds your show. Mm. So when you're talking to companies and you're talking to individuals, I'll make sure that they, you know, you take care of them and you feed them the information back so that they'll reciprocate and provide a link. That's going to drive this whole new circle of audience members to your show. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a consistent churn. As you said, I mean, people are going to come, they're going to go. I mean, it's, you know, at liquor.com, we've got a million four odd subscribers. And, you know, I mean, the number of people who stay engaged, you know, obviously it ebbs and it flows. Um, the, the question that I have for you, just because I, I think the, the buzzing kind of kicked in there, and I just want to make sure we didn't gloss over that either, is you, you said your blogging budget is how much per month now? Five to six hundred dollars a month. Five to six hundred. But I mean, Jesus. And when you look at what that provides for, that's a hell of a pretty good investment, I would say. It so, does. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. All right. So Richard actually had a, a question here. Um, and the question is, how much of your content is repurposed podcasts? And I guess, um, and Rich, you can clarify on this, but are you saying how much of uh, the content is taking from a podcast, like I would take an excerpt then oh. of this interview and repurpose yeah. it. Is is that what you're asking, Rich? I think that's what you're asking. Yeah, my content um, is all original. Um, now, not okay. Let me clarify. On my tech show, I'm talking about other people's articles. So I'm talking about what gadgets wrote about, what Gizmodo's talked about, what uh, you know, whoever's got the stories of the day. I'm talking about that on my tech show, and I and I basically link back to them. So on my Tech show. I do a news store. I knew a news show, so that's my show. It's not an interview show. Now with Rob and I on the new media show, uh, believe me, it's all original. We talk to people in the field. We're getting ideas, just like you and I are right now, Steve. So it's um, all my content is definitely original. Yeah. Okay. I got you. And, and so one of the From things. My mouth. <laughs> I got you. Um, and let's just kind of continue down this path before I've got a, just a couple more specific questions in, in other arenas. But one of the questions that I have about uh, content really as it boils down, I mean, it's just really all about content. But talk about um, uh, a show release schedule because there's a lot of different I mean, folks have, I mean, look, you talk to 10 people, you get 10 different answers. You yeah. know, so some people say, if you've got three shows, release one on a Monday, one on a Wednesday, one on a Saturday. If you've got two shows, do one on a Tuesday, do one on a Friday. You have access to these stats that a lot of people don't have. 
So if you've got a once a week show, when would you release it? If you got a twice a week and if you've got a three time a week show, how would you stagger that? It's pretty flat across Monday through Sunday or Sunday through Saturday. It's pretty flat on consumption dates because remember people are going to listen to this on demand when they want to, they don't care. Okay. My show, let me, I have expirable content. My content is dead in 72 hours. My audience knows that my content's essentially they've read it. They've heard it. They've seen it. It's old news. So mm. my consumption goes like this and straight down. And then, so it's not, so it's not evergreen content then. Well, we can talk about evergreen content and how people think they have evergreen content, but most don't, but that's a whole another topic. But let me just say that the most important thing is whatever you decide the day you want to publish on, that you publish on that date and time. My audience knows that my show will be available Monday and Thursday night by about 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm in Hawaii, so I record on Monday and Thursday night. Thursday night, I've always thought was not the best night to record on because it was a, really a Friday release show. But the numbers really very minor. I mean, maybe the Friday show is a little bit under the Monday show. Everyone's releasing on Monday. That's kind of the predominant day to release on. I would release on a midweek schedule or even the thing is get your audience trained because what they will do, and I've said this for years, if your audience loves you, they will build you into their lives. They will listen to you on the treadmill, on the car, and they have a specific time they're going to listen to you. So just make sure you have the show out and available. And if you don't do a show, tell them in advance. Make sure you let them know I'm not going to be doing a show next week. Or if you miss a show because of a family emergency or whatever, put out a two-minute, hey, I'm sorry. I can't be here. This is what happened. You know, some people are afraid to do that. Don't be afraid to do that. Talk to your audience. You're human. Um, mm -hmm. Now, should I talk about the evergreen stuff at all? You know what? Why don't why don't we do this? Because actually, I, and we certainly can. I don't know. I mean, look, you and I could probably go at this for for days. But obviously, right. out of respect for your time, let me see oh, if I'm I can kind of <laughs> let me see if I just kind of hit some of the high points here sure. um, that I had on my list before we you know jump into that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I'll make a note here of the of the evergreen. If we can circle back to that, sure. um, and you alluded to this just a couple of seconds ago, which is you know people listen to it when they're on the go, when they're on the treadmill, when they're in the car, etc. It seems to me like the holy grail is right around the corner. And the holy grail for podcasting is getting on the dashboard in the car, right? right? I mean, so that changes the game. That's when instead of turning in AM, you know, 780 and FM 105.3, now I can go to, you know, whatever it is that I plug. It's just right there on my screen, bang, plug it, play it. Is that coming? And what do you envision that looking like? And how important do you think that really is? They're going to take this to the car, with them and this will be the conduit in which they basically enable the bluetooth link between your your device and the car and if they are hardcore fans they'll never go back to fm mm -hmm. it'll be on that bluetooth link but there will be new discovery through onboard dash but the thing is people are already got stuff using here and on their desktop so and more than likely if if those apps will sync. You will maybe you won't have to have this, but most people are not going to want to pay another data bill for their car. They're going to yeah. want to use their phone to be that conduit. So mm -hmm. I really think that the conduit into the vehicle is still this. My dream from the very beginning of podcasting was be able to be in the house listening on my computer, hit pause, walk to the car, in the car, and hit or you know, have it take up where it left off. We're not quite there yet but if you're doing everything in your mobile device you really are you're already mm -hmm. making that transition to the vehicle but yeah the, the cars have always been the holy grail for the podcasters yeah and so one of the questions and again we've kind of danced around a little bit of this um that i've had is is just i don't understand and maybe you don't either but i think if anyone is going to have insight as far as this goes it's probably going to be you so let me ask you the question um, which is when you look at iTunes, how in the world is that algorithm really put together? Like, how do you get, like, I can't, like, I love Lewis Howes. He's a buddy of mine. But if I see that fucking guy on, like, page one of iTunes again, I'm going to, like, have a hissy here, man. Because it's like, how do you get that sort of, what, what's going on with the, with the algorithm? Do you have any insight to that? And no, and I be honest with you, I quite frankly don't care. <laughs> um, this is old school guy coming out. 
yeah. what I care about is um, creating great content and people. And here's the thing. I've never been anyone noteworthy. I've never been featured on iTunes, but yet I have an audience that exceeds 150,000 people per episode. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. but I've also built a diverse audience. They're not just listening on iTunes. They're listening on Android. They're listening on over a hundred different types of devices. iTunes is, you know, everyone's so hung up on iTunes. I'm like, get over it. Because in all honesty, when was the last time you went to iTunes for a new show? Ask a listener, where did they find a new show? Mm. I do a little survey on your shows. Ask your listeners, how did they find this show? And nine out of ten times, it wasn't because they went to iTunes. It was because someone told me. I saw something. In social there was something that connected. It will not be because because I, I don't load iTunes and go look at the podcast directory. <laughs> I love iTunes. Don't get me wrong. It's It's been marvelous for us. Yeah. But I don't think it's a discovery point for listeners. I got gotcha. you. All right. So to that end, because you talked about – uh, I mean, you the traffic that you have, I mean, people would, uh, I mean, there's a lot of people aspiring to be you to have that sort of listenership. And it'll come in time, like you said, if they stick with it. But what are the primary monetization opportunities in this realm? I mean, I mean, and are people making real money? Uh, there are. There are people making real money. And I had never disclosed money until... New Media Expo in a year earlier this year talked a little bit about it because I'm, I'm kind of an old school guy and thinking talking about money is kind of cliche. But um, here's, and well, and here's actually the good news: for the first six or seven years of podcasting, there were no big shows. You had one or two. Everyone was like this: ten thousand, twenty thousand, maybe thirty thousand listeners. That was a big show. Uh, big shows now are 300,000, 400,000 listeners per episode. That's a big show now. So what it was is uh, media buyers were buying wide. They were buying lots of shows on campaign buys and because that was all there was. Now that there's all these – a number of big shows and properties, well, the media buyers are buying those. But guess what? The inventory sold out. Some of that inventory sold out for a year. So what media buyers are starting to come back to now is they're starting to buy wide again. In other words, they're gonna, they'll pick – or not pick, or we'll put three, four hundred shows on an advertising buy. They, all the podcasts run the same promo code. They all run the same graphics. So it's like well, it's a big team effort to push a product or service for a company. So I'm an equal opportunity guy. I will give anyone a chance to run advertising. I literally don't care what the size of your audience is. Um, but then that comes with some caveats. So if we're running a $20 CPM deal, and you've got a thousand people listening to your show. You're going to make twenty dollars an episode, you know, on a on an episode basis. Now, is that that's not huge money to jump up and down about? But if you're doing ten shows, that's two hundred dollars a month. That may pay for your hosting and dinner. Um, there's a lot of people, a lot of podcasters making uh, car payments. There's another segment of people that are making house payments with their podcast. Um, so you know, it all depends on your goal of your show and where you want to be. Um, again, it's again, focus on creating the content. And if you can establish a relationship with a vendor that you think fits your best, you might be able to get a premium, do a flat rate deal. But here's the most important part. And it's something that I've talked about a lot for many, many years. Use a reliable podcast statistics service before you start talking to vendors. And, and I'm a competitor with Libsyn and PodTrack, but those are the two guys, including us, that I trust. I trust Libsyn's numbers, I trust PodTrack's numbers, and I trust ours. Other than that, I don't trust you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I hear you loud and clear. And so uh, two things to that extent. So number one, 20 bucks on a CPM, is that kind of the going rate regardless of the show? Yeah, 15 to 25. There's some that oh, I'm getting 45. Yeah, if you do, great. If you're able to get that or if you're able to get uh, 500 bucks an episode and you only got 1,000 listeners and you keep the advertiser happy, great. In the end, what it really boils down to is the vendor that you're doing business with has to be satisfied that they're getting a return on their dollar when they get done. How have I kept GoDaddy as a sponsor since July of 2005? My measurement that they measure me on for success is the number of new customers I bring them every month. They set up a threshold. They said, if you meet this many, we're really good. If you're above that, we're really good. If you're below that, well, try harder next month. 
uh, my goal is always to be above the bell curve so that they ever have a reason to question the sponsorship with my show. So, you know, you, you think, how can a show that, um, how can a show have the same sponsor every episode for over a thousand episodes do that? It's really, really simple. Again, it goes back to that long strategy, bringing new listeners to the show on a regular basis. How do I do that? I bring them to my.com. If you don't have your own site, if you don't have your own brand, if you're just sitting over on SoundCloud and you've got a show over there, if, or if you are um, using a, um, a, a vendor that makes your website look like a GeoCity site, um, you need to have a place where you can call home and send people to and build a brand. A lot of people will argue with me on that. But I'm going to tell you, again and again and again, I've seen the, the value of building your brand and building it on your property, not someone else's. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to that end, and when we talk about the statistics, are you, are you feeling like most of the statistics that are being thrown around then are inaccurate? I mean, outside of no. the three, no, no. Well, there, uh, Rob, it lives in market Podtrack, and my team, we're all part of the IEB. We pay big money every year to be part of that. Um, Run their measurement committee. I would say that um, there's a lot of players in the space. Most of them are doing the right thing. Um, there's one-offs, bad apples here and there. Mm -hmm. Now, so someone putting a statistic down. Like, <laughs> for years and years and years and years, I got to call and say, hey, Todd, hey, how are you doing? I like to – my podcast is really taking off. I'm getting 35,000 listeners per episode. I want to be on advertising. You say, great. So you put yourself up on our stat system. In two weeks, we'll have that conversation again. Well, invariably, the conversation that we would have would not be that – and so I've – Grows to people bragging about their numbers, and and guess what? It's going to happen. It, I, I, I'm not yeah. surprised anymore. Uh, I don't believe it until I see it. Unfortunately, the aggravation many podcasts were saying is this guy just said he's got fifty thousand uh, listeners and he's making five hundred thousand dollars a month. Um, until I go to the mailbox. With that individual, with their 1040, <laughs> and having seen it signed mm -hmm. and put it in the envelope, lick it shut, and putting it in the mailbox, I <laughs> okay. <laughs> if they're making that much money every month, woohoo! Yeah, great. Yeah, no, I got you, man. Uh, <laughs> all right, so it, it sounds. And one of my uh, one of my questions for you is, uh, you know, what what what's pissing you off the most right now wow. about the uh, about the space? But it sounds like. Uh, <laughs> That sounds like we probably covered that. Anybody no, no, got you irked at the moment? The only thing I'm concerned about is, and this is a mission that we've been on before, is making sure that the podcast, you know, uh, many of us were in the United States. We probably are the British coming. The British are coming. That was, you know, the call for renewing the Revolutionary War. Um, the word I'm saying right now, the corporations are coming. The corporations are coming. So as podcasters, we need to be real careful who we're making alignments with. We need to watch what's being said in the space. We need to understand that there sometimes is a little bit of ground truth. We also have to understand that radio is trying to figure out how they're going to come in here and take this. And we need to also be very careful that we don't allow the middleman. And I would can be considered a middleman, but I've been very public about how we operate in our revenue split. Um, we need to make sure that the middlemen don't come in and, uh, you know, take uh, – uh, too many pennies on the dollar. I give an example. I talked with a major company. said, this is what I want to do. This is a thing. They said, oh, this is great. We can do that, and we can do this kind of CPM. I said, okay, how much is the overhead on this? She goes, well, it's the overhead 65 cents on the dollar. And I'm like, what? So you're going to take 65 cents to deliver this advertising product, leave 45 cents for the content creator? You're smoking crack. Yeah. So we have to be careful that when we're making relationships that we're not allowing that middleman to get rich off us, they're going to, you know, and again, if you're doing enough volume, maybe that overhead's okay. Mm -hmm. But me as a content creator, when someone tells me I'm going to take 65 cents off the top, I'm like, you know, yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, it's just brutal. So uh, and look, like I said, I mean, we could probably sit here and we could, we could talk all day and shoot the shit on this man, which is, which is awesome. But 
I do want to at least first and foremost here acknowledge the fact that you know you were inducted into the you know podcaster Hall of Fame, man. So uh, how it, what, that's a lot of years down the line, man. I mean, it's like what was that 12, 11 years after you started? Did you feel like it was long overdue, and you were like kind of like what what the fuck every year? Like why haven't I got it yet? <laughs> well, that was the first year they did it, ah, and okay. <laughs> so I was not. You know, I was the founder of the. Uh, Podcast Awards at podcastawards.com. And matter of fact, uh, it may be coming back to me. Um, so really, as the founder of that and running that, I was basically saying, well, I had to exclude myself and co-host shows and so forth from even being nominated. So I do appreciate uh, Jared and uh, uh, Frank and, of course, uh, Gary over there, the team at the Podcast Movement for starting the the, the um the uh, podcast hall of fame um, very humbled to have been a part of that inaugural group there's a lot of great podcasters out there that are, are deserving i'm sure that uh, as years go on that the, the academy will um, acknowledge those folks and, and i'm sure as budget allows be able to bring in a number of people uh, those trophies that trophy it's heavy i don't know how much it costs them but it's absolutely beautiful it was nice to be recognized but yeah. in the end, it's because of the audiences. And and one thing that I've always said from the very, very beginning of doing my show, my my audience of my podcast is my Ohana. They're my family, and I treat them as such. And uh, if you can do that with your audience and treat them like they're your very close friend or, or sister or brother or mother, um, I think you're going to have a deeper relationship with your show and your show is going to grow. But yeah, and I, and I appreciate, and I know it was for some of the work that my team has done at Raw Voice and they were equally, um, you know, I'm gratitude to them as well. But yeah, it was nice. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Last question here. And if, uh, and if uh, Richard or anybody else here in the room has been hanging out with us, if you guys have any uh, questions, just drop them in the box. Otherwise we're going to, we're going to wrap here. But the last question I have for you and you, you touched on this uh, just uh, about five minutes ago or so is I'm not sure if, if you've listened to an episode of reinvention radio or not, or if my producer warned you kind of about what it is, but when we do it as typically more like a morning show, sort of like a morning zoo kind of format where I've got a co-host and you know, we've got people in the studio. We actually do it more as sort of a traditional radio show oh, that we yep. then repurpose as a podcast. So right. this is unusual for us to be in this way. Typically we're in, like our professional studio and we broadcast right. live and the whole nine. Um, but what we've tried to do is marry the different media, right? So we've got the terrestrial and then we've got the internet radio and then we've got the podcast in terms of the repurposing. You talked about this just very briefly, but how do you see things evolving in terms of sort of the, the melding of the media, if you will? I think radio's figured out they got to do something. They, you know, they know they're, those executives are watching their kids sitting in the back seat, plugged in, not listening. So they know that they are, they've got a major issue ahead. So I think, and this is what we've been advising mainstream media, and I'll answer your question. We've been advising those guys that do the drive show, take, you know, three snippets out of that drive show, make those a podcast. Don't give me three hours of the drive show. No one's going to listen to that. Give me that interview with that local coach. Give me that interview with that celebrity. Give me that interview with the, the mom that got rescued by the fire department. You know, those are the things that are going to save local radio um, and being able to put content like that up and keep their audience tuned in. Let's, let's face it, drive time is when people listen to radio and maybe the background music from FM 100 or whatever. They know that drive time audience is moving into mobile devices and, and the battle over, and it's just like the TV, the battle on the TV's HDMI 1. That's where they want, the cable guys want you to plug into. In the car, when you turn the radio on, the battle is for that button to be default to FM. When it's default to apps, life changes for radio. Mm -hmm. So um, the radio is going to have to, and I think they realize it. You know, there was a Dash conference just recently in Detroit. They are scared to death and you're going to see a lot more radio stations making a move into radio so what's going to happen is they're a multi-billion dollar industry they're going to bring their talent the production uh all these great uh voices let's you know let's be frank it's they're not going away anytime soon but they're going to be able to come into the podcasting space and do just as npr has done and start rising in the charts 
that shouldn't be a scare point for podcasters. It may be opportunities for jobs. It may be opportunities to be part of the lineup on a radio station. It may be um, a chance to get uh, more exposure. And I, I think it's I think the golden age of podcasting is still a number of years down the road. I, I think we're yeah. really on the cuffs of things here. Yeah, and, and last question is talk to talk a little bit about the networks, the CBS, the podcast ones, et cetera. What's what's your position on those? And do you recommend that someone who has a podcast that is beginning to get traction, is that a viable option for them? What what's your take on it? It is if you have the numbers. I think what they're looking for, and you know, I like you look at what Panaply's doing and what Gimlet Media is doing, they're all focused on creating new original content. So if you've got a new idea. Maybe those are the folks you want to pitch on a new show. Podcast One, I think they're largely focused on celebrities. If you kind of look at their lineup, they do have a few mainstream podcasters. As uh, far as mid-roll goes, uh, they're working on the advertising standpoint. They're currently working with folks that have pretty high volume. Um, anytime that you can network with a number of like-minded shows, that's a very important thing to do. Yeah, and for those who need more information about Blueberry or about your shows, what, what, where's the best place for folks to go, Todd? Sure. If you want information on what we do at uh, Raw Voice slash Blueberry, just go to Blueberry.com, B-L-U-B-R-Y.com. And if you want to find out information about or check out uh, our shows, GeekNewsCentral.com is my tech show. She's Bla- uh, NewMediaShow.com <laughs> is the new media show that I do with Greenling. And, of course, if you have any comments, you can follow me on Twitter at Geek News, or you can just email me directly, uh, geeknews at gmail.com, or if you want, that's probably the best way on a show stuff, business-wise, CEO at rawvoice.com. Yeah, man. Well, look, I uh, really do appreciate you being here with us on Reinvention Radio, and uh, I know you're in Hawaii there, so it's uh, a little bit of the crack of the dawn when you got up for us, man, so definitely appreciate it. And just one last thing, one last request here, since uh, those who are listening to the podcast, you're not going to appreciate this, but those who are watching the video episode of this, will you scan real quick and just show folks the uh, the real <laughs> setup you got there? Yeah, and uh, let's see, we'll, that's my two Skype channels that come in, audio recorder, TriCaster, which is a, that's an 850. So if you look that up and then obviously here's where I do my show stuff. And then uh, camera, 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 there's a camera over there wow. and camera up here. So yeah, it's, and this is all in a little 10 by 12 space. So uh, um, and much awesome. of the chagrin of my wife. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's your man cave, man. You do with it as you want. You that's, that's right. <laughs> All right, my man. Well, thanks so much. Uh, you know, really do appreciate your time. Really do appreciate your insight. And um, for the time being, man, we're going to keep paying our monthly bills so we can stay on Blueberry. So uh, that's uh, that's the plan. <laughs> One tip for every podcaster out there. Holidays, yeah. not the time to slack off. Holidays is the time to turn it on. The number one growth month, the number one growth period is December 25th to January 30th. Excellent. All right. Very sure. good. So you heard it here on Reinvention Radio with Todd Cochran of Raw Voice and Blueberry. So thanks, my man. Really do appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the Saturday, and uh, we'll talk really soon. Thank you so much.